He is risen. Amen. So thankful to be here with all of you this morning, both in the room and joining us online. I want to say thank you to our worship community and the time they've put in to get ready for this morning's service and getting here extra early to practice, as well as our tech team. And so much work uh, going in to be able to celebrate this day, but every single moment of it is absolutely worth it because our King is worthy. You know, Friday night we uh, talked about his crucifixion and shared a little bit about that phrase that people used to say in the um, European monarchies when a king would die. They would proclaim, the king is dead. But they would immediately say, long live the king. We're so excited this morning that Jesus is risen. And of course, we know that it was three days after his death on the cross that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the grave. And we're talking about historical fact when we make such a claim. These aren't fanciful stories. These are truths that are attested to not just scripturally, but attested to extra-biblically as well, even though some people try and explain away the truth that Jesus is alive. Jesus of Nazareth was born. He lived. He indeed was crucified under the rule of Pontius Pilate at the end of Passover week. And he came back just a few days later on a Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, we're so excited, Lord, to celebrate your resurrection, God, because your resurrection changed everything. Lord, we know that the entire picture, the central focus of everything that you did and who you are and why you came, it's all wrapped up both in the crucifixion, your death on the cross, and your resurrection here on Easter Sunday. And Lord, we're here to celebrate that. We're so thankful, Lord, that you defeated death permanently and forever. Lord, that as you were, excuse me, raised from the dead, God, you set us free from the bondage of sin and death. You set us free, Lord, from the penalty that is due to our sin. And so, God, we say thank you. We love you so much, Lord. And as we are here celebrating this morning at sunrise, God, speak to our hearts, Lord. Encourage us. Remind us of what your resurrection means and what it's all about, Lord. That we would move forward today and every day in our lives, God, proclaiming that you are alive. We love you so much and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, obviously in years past, we met out in a park and uh, had our sunrise service there. And I toyed with the idea of turning the air conditioner on to make it cold like it used to be out there. But we decided against that. Uh, but we have our sunrise going on on the screen behind us. And those of you online, you shall, uh, should periodically see the sunrise there. And uh, um, I would be happy to say that that is the sunrise right now as it's taking place. But we actually filmed that a couple days ago. Uh, my wonderful assistant got up at 4.30 in the morning to climb on top of the building to film the sunrise. And so we could have the sunrise on the screen as a part of our service. But we are here um, just in awe of God in awe of what he did. You know, the historical narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record the cross. Every single one of the gospels record the cross, but they also record his resurrection, his coming back to life on Sunday. It's in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 20. And Christians, those that know Jesus, we call this day the resurrection. The resurrection, and that word simply means that Jesus died and he came back to life. 
that he really did die. He perished. He didn't swoon. He didn't pass out. He died. But a few days later, he came back to life. Not as a ghost, as some would say. It wasn't the disciples hallucinating, as some try and say. It wasn't some grand conspiracy to make the things that he proclaimed during his life true, even though they were false. No, Jesus was indeed a historical man who historically died and historically came back to life. But why did this happen? Why did it need to happen? You know, as I said in the prayer, the cross and the, and the resurrection, those events and this event, this whole weekend, is the center of the Christian gospel. It's the center of our faith. But why did he need to come back to life again? Why couldn't he have just died on the cross? And that was it. Well, that's what I want to share with you this morning during our sunrise service here, four reasons why I believe he needed to come back to life and why it's so important to us to celebrate and to remember and to keep the resurrection as a part of the central focus of our faith. And the first reason I believe Jesus had to come back to life is because it impacts what he did. See, he said that he came to claim victory over sin and death, to defeat sin and death. And his resurrection is a part of that. It impacts that because when Jesus died on the cross, we know he was victorious over sin, as it says in Colossians 2.14. It says he erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. I think every single one of us in here have debt or have had debt at some point in time in our lives, right? And we know that when that debt's hanging over us, sometimes it can be stressful, right? You know, I gotta pay that bill. I, I know I owe that money. Well, in the big picture of, of sin and wickedness and goodness and righteousness, we had a huge debt lined up against us. The sin in our lives from birth until the time we came to know Jesus Christ, and even the sin that we still stumble into after salvation was a mighty debt. It was a debt we could not pay. And we know that his death erased that entire debt. If you've ever been in a situation where someone came along and said, hey, what's that bill you got, that debt you have? I just want to pay it all for you. It's like, wow. Like, really? Why would you want to do that? Oh, just, I just want to bless you. I just want to take care of that. <sighs> I'm free, right? Well, the debt of sin that we had was so much bigger and the freedom so much more prevalent. Jesus died in the place of his people. He took the punishment for our sin. He said in John 10, 15, I lay down my life for my sheep. And so we know it was on the cross then that he did the work. He did the work of suffering God's judgment in our place. And it was a victory over sin because he did something that we couldn't do. He did something that was beyond us. He, 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 he paid that price we couldn't pay. We couldn't pay it. There was no way we could pay the debt owed due to our own sin. And really it was because if we tried to die for ourselves, well, we're sinners. We're corrupt. The sacrifice would have been impure, and so it took the sacrifice of God. There was no way we could free ourselves from the bondage and the control of sin, no matter how hard we tried. Right, the Bible testifies to that, it says the Ten Commandments, or, or better said, our inability to follow the Ten Commandments showed us that there was nothing we could do to be righteous. It was just beyond us because our nature was broken. 
And that inability was constantly capitalized on by the devil and his demons who would lay temptations before us to sin, would lay traps and snares that we would choose to do the thing that dishonors God, choose to do the thing that that might just pursue our own pleasure but was ultimately harmful and sinful. And so Jesus' death on the cross was a victory over the work, over the machinations, if that's the word, (laughs) of the devil and his demons. It was a victory over their work. It says in Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over over them in him. And that's what Jesus' death on the cross was. He triumphed over sin. He triumphed over evil. He triumphed over death on the cross. But the resurrection is key, and the resurrection is important because in order to fully triumph over sin, he needed to be completely victorious over sin's penalty. He needed to conquer the consequences of sin. And the Bible tells us that the penalty of sin is death. Death. A physical death here, but then an eternal death in separation from God and and, in suffering the judgment of his wrath in hell. Well, in order to show that he had triumphed over that, in order to show not only that the debt was paid, he paid the debt on the cross, but also to show that the penalty of sin to hold us in judgment was finally dealt with, He rose from the dead. And if he didn't rise from the dead, the effect, the consequence, the penalty of sin would still be in effect. The debt may have been paid, but the penalty would still be in effect. He died in the place of sinners, but then when he rose again, he displayed that as he said on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. You know, in the early church, there were some that questioned why the resurrection was so important. Some may have had that same thought. Well, he died on the cross. Wasn't that enough? What's, what's the big deal with the resurrection? Paul had to address this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. And he said this, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sin. The penalty, the consequence of sin would still be holding you down. Because if Jesus was, was still dead, then that penalty would still be in effect. Sin would continue to hold him down in death, but since Christ has been raised, sin truly is defeated. Sin truly is dealt with permanently. His resurrection, therefore, means that for those who trust in Jesus Christ, sin no longer has the final word. Jesus does. Sin no longer has the ultimate threat. It has been dealt with. Jesus won. He wins. He won for us. And he rose to show that is true. His coming back to life shows that the power of sin was finished. And the consequence of sin would not hold him down. Could not hold him down. It has been dealt with. And so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him as our savior, when we trust in what he did on the cross for us to pay the penalty of our sins, and we trust by faith and believe in that he rose from the dead, conquering death, the consequence of sin, sin and death is dealt with in our lives as well. Hallelujah. The second reason I believe Jesus had to come back to life is because it displays who he truly is, the Lord God Almighty. In the resurrection, Jesus proclaimed to the whole world who he truly is. 
He said it multiple times through his earthly ministry, and people would be like, eh, mm, I don't get it, I don't believe it, nope, don't like it. But in his resurrection, it couldn't be denied that he was everything he said he was. He was and is God himself, who has the incredible authority to raise himself from the dead. You know, Jesus said this resurrection would happen and he taught this multiple times throughout his earthly ministry. And he once made this, this tremendously, tremendously outlandish claim about control of not only his death, but control over his resurrection as well. In John chapter 10, verse 17, he said this. I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. Think about what he just said there, right? I'm sure all of us could understand that we have the authority to, to, to make decisions over our own death, right? Sadly, there are many people in the world today that make that decision in, in suicides and things of that nature, to, 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 to take their own life. We recognize that we have an authority even in, you know, when you're planning for the end and, and you're getting to that age where you gotta start going, okay, I need advanced health care, right? We understand that we have the authority to make decisions over how we pass. But what Jesus said here is a pretty amazing thing to be able to say. It's one thing to say, I have, an, I have authority over how I die. But it's something altogether different to say that I have authority over bringing myself back to life. I have authority over laying down my life, but I also have authority to take it up again. And in case we missed it, Jesus said it twice, right? I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. In case you weren't paying attention, I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. Who else could raise themselves from the dead but God Almighty? Nobody else. It's never happened. Only God has raised the dead, and only God could raise himself from the dead. Who else could declare with absolute certainty, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life three days later? Only God, the Son of God and the Lord himself can. Therefore, the resurrection of Jesus Christ displays who Jesus is. God himself, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the true Lord over all, and he alone is the one who has authority over everything, over life, over death, over creation, over you and me. And with that authority, he says, I can give you new life. I can raise your dead spirit from the dead and make it alive. His authority is so far above over everything. And that is why we proclaim his name and preach his name because he is the one with the authority to grant us eternal life through his death, through his resurrection. And if you don't know him this morning, and for some reason that I can't understand, you got up at six in the morning to come to a sunrise service at church on Easter Sunday respect, right? <laughs> but I pray that this would be the day you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
because he has the authority to grant you that eternal life. The third reason I believe Jesus had to come back to life is because it tells us what's to come. It tells us what's to come with our own bodily resurrection. Jesus' resurrection hints to us what is to come for all of us. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church, speaking of Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. You see, biblically, when you see Jesus referred to as the first fruits or the firstborn, it's not talking about the fact that he was created first or whatever. It's talking about a place of preeminent authority, that he's at the head of the line, that he's first. And when Jesus rose, the Bible says that his resurrection was the first of many. The first of many. In this way, Jesus' resurrection shows what's to come for all of us the future hope that we have. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 says, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And fallen asleep is a biblical euphemism for, for death. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, God in human flesh. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. You know, biblically we know that the very first man created, Adam, in the garden there, he sinned against God. And that's when sin entered the world, death entered the world, the penalty of disobeying God entered the world. And from that time until Christ, there was a covering of sin and the sacrifices of the temple. But when Jesus came and died, the penalty was paid. And then when he rose again, it said the death that has had dominion over man from the very beginning, the very moment of the fall, it's done. It's dealt with. And you who put your faith in Jesus Christ, there may be a physical death, but the Bible talks about a resurrection into a glorified body that we will be raised with him. And it said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, but each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, Afterward, at his, afterwards, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And so, because Christ rose from the dead into a new body, or his body was the body he was, still had the scars in his hands, the scars in his feet, but because he was risen again, displaying that death had no hold on him, because the word of God says that he was the firstborn, the firstfruit of those who had died and will die, and that in Christ all will be made alive who put their faith in him, we know that we will escape the permanency of our physical death. We will be raised into new glorified bodies and we will escape the forever eternal death, the separation from God that'll be the eternal judgment in hell. And the fourth reason that Jesus had to come back to life was to declare that he's alive. Was to declare that Jesus, this Jesus from Nazareth, is alive and is alive forevermore. You know, these three previous reasons, those are good reasons to explain why the resurrection is important, why it had to happen, but, but this one, this, 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 this simplest reason, maybe the most profound reason of all, 
Why did Jesus have to come back to life? So that he would be alive. Fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling biblical truth. And it's at this very moment that this God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, the same person who historically was born into this world in Bethlehem, the same person who lived a perfect life, the same person who died on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem, today, this morning, is alive. And we proclaim that, we celebrate that here. He's in his resurrected body. He is the only savior. He is the only king. He is Christ over all. And he is alive. Long live the king. And because of this truth, because of this reality, believing in Jesus, putting your faith in him, his sacrifice, that his sacrifice was done for you as, Bible, as, the, as, as the Bible proclaims, as the Old Testament prophesied, that as he said in communion, this is my body for you, this is the blood of the new covenant for you. As all of the writings of the New Testament writers go back and proclaim and clarify and say, look, this is what it meant, this is what it was. As we put our faith in all that and trust him and we pray to him and we seek him and we, and we bank on him for everything in our life, we know it's not just some religious sentiment. The world may want to convince you that trusting in Jesus is ridiculous. The, mer- the world may want to try and get you to believe that, oh, there's holes in your faith and there's no evidence for this thing called the resurrection. If you take two seconds away from TikTok and spend those two seconds investigating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you will find that the evidence is overwhelming. That this happened, truly did happen. And so although the world may want us to believe it is ridiculous to believe in Jesus, it isn't. In fact, it is the most logical thing anybody could possibly do. It is the most important thing anybody could possibly do. Being a genuine Christian means knowing and believing that God is real. Confessing that he is real. Knowing that he is Jesus, God in the flesh. Knowing that he came to die for all of your sins, all of my sins. But it's also knowing and believing that now, today, he still exists. He is alive and well. He is working in your life. He is praying for you. He is interceding at the right hand of the Father. It's knowing and believing that in all things, he is good, he is loving, he is real. He died, he was raised, and he is, present tense, alive. Jesus' resurrection proves that we don't just believe in some good teacher, some good man who happened to say some neat things, who just claimed to be God and then died a criminal's death. Instead, we trust in the real Jesus of Nazareth, the God-man who is alive right now. He rose He is alive, currently seated in heaven, interceding for all of us, and he will live forevermore. What a perfect person to put our hope and our faith in. The one who knows all things, 
the one who's been alive longer than you have and will be alive long after you're gone. Assuming we don't get to the end of history and go home to be with him before the end of our lifetimes, right? Because Jesus is who he is and did what he did, because it is real and true, because he is alive, we who have put our faith in him can rest joyfully, can rest peacefully in the knowledge that we too have a future, we too have a hope, we too have a savior, we too have been changed, and we could live all of those truths now in this world, day to day, as we go about living our lives to proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to shine the light of who he is through our lives. But we also get to live in that knowledge, that truth, that future, that hope, not just in this world, but in a hope of the world to come. Because he defeated death, he is alive. We will be made alive with him. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, God, for what you've done. Lord, we know that that on this morning 2,000 years ago, as the women went to your tomb to continue with the, the burial needs, they discovered that tomb empty. They discovered that stone rolled away. And I love, Lord, how the angels were just chilling there waiting. And as they showed up, they're like, what are you looking for? He's not here. Why are you surprised? He said he would rise from the dead. And that Lord, even after that, some of the disciples were not sure and they had to go look and see the evidence of it gone. But Lord, they believed. They believed. And Lord, we believe this morning that you didn't just die on the cross for our sins, but you rose from the dead, defeating the penalty of death, the power of sin and death forever. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all of that, God. Lord, may we be people who live lives that glorify your name, that live in this truth and this hope of a resurrection. The hope of a resurrection because you were resurrected, Lord. We trust in you that we will be resurrected one day as well. God, give a new glorified bodies to dwell in heaven with you forever. And it's not because of us or anything we have done. It is all because of you, King Jesus. Thank you so much. We love you, God. Use us to proclaim your name, especially this day as we celebrate your resurrection. We want your name lifted high in our hearts, your name lifted high from our mouths, your, your name lifted high in, in, in our cities, in our state, in our country, Lord. We want your name lifted high in this world. And we know, God, and we're so thankful that we're gathered together with, with millions around the world, Lord, all celebrating this same event. Help us to never forget the significance, God. Help us never to forget that you had to die for us because it was a price we couldn't pay, but you had to rise from the dead too that you would live forevermore, working in and through our lives. We love you so much, and we thank you for everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship, guys.